0: Thrones, your weekly podcast for the hbo dumpster fire that is a game of thrones my name is doug and with me as always is brian and this week we'll be recapping episode three Oathbreaker. so how you doing brian good how are you tonight doug i'm doing all right you know same old same old sure so what are your initial impressions of the latest uh, episode you know on the first watch i uh I thought almost every scene was at least
1: amusing or interesting to somewhat. Right. But then on again, in retrospect, it seemed like the, not a whole lot moved along in, in the, the show. But I mean, I guess that's a recurring theme at this point. I don't know if we need to keep belaboring in that when It's every single episode. We're disappointed with the progress of the story.
0: No, but I think, um, last week, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Cause I enjoyed the episode overall and I still do. Mm. But, uh, this on second viewing, I did like, a. I, I don't know. Uh, just trying to figure out what had happened or what ha- what has progressed or go forward, gone yes. forward, and not a whole hell of a lot. So um, I, would, I, I guess I'm okay
1: with that, provided the episode itself is entertaining. Uh, yes, and, and, and there are a few
0: things that do move it. It does move forward, and and yeah, I, I would say that's the theme of this episode. Even though nothing happens, they did a good job of entertaining me, and I'll bring up how they did that. Uh, you know, as the as we recap this episode, sure. but overall. You know, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. We'll, we'll give our ratings at the end. Well, it sounds like you already did. No, uh, the, the ratings is a number, and I'm not going to put a number to this episode just yet. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so uh, we start off at the wall, right? Yes, Castle Black. Castle Black, and uh, I, Davos is, you know, we hear heavy breathing. Um, did Davos ever leave the room? Because I thought he left the room. So did he come back in, or did we just not see it?
1: I think the impression was that he was halfway out the door and he heard some noise and t- turned around, but... Oh, yeah, he heard clear. heavy
0: breathing, maybe?
1: Sure. Ghost making noise. Because Ghost started reacting before John popped back up.
0: Right, but Ghost is notoriously silent. Okay. <laughs> Ghost doesn't make any noise. He doesn't he did, bark. Ghost did make noise. So that's that's the show fucking up. Um, sure. All right, but regardless who cares davos is staring at john john's staring at davos uh john's freaking out like he just you know climbed uh three flights of stairs and uh weighs you know 500 pounds he's, he's just he was naked and afraid he was naked and afraid uh yeah and he seems really weak because uh he tries to stand or walk to davos and it's like his feet were atropied like he'd woken up from a coma and tried to stand up um i thought that was funny the way he tried kind of almost tried to skitter
1: out of the room. <laughs> Something about it just made me laugh,
0: and then Mel comes in looking dumbfounded, like just the biggest huh? yes. <laughs> like her eyes are, are wide open, and she keeps that same dumb look. Which obviously it's a miracle, but um, you know, it just seemed a little goofy to me. Uh, but uh, John seems to be relatively fine. They ask him, "What do you remember?" He says, "I remember being stabbed." Uh, he said that fucker Ollie. Yes, um, I believe those. That, that was a quote. Um, if not, it should have been. And Mel wants to know her biggest thing. He's like, what was it like? Tell me, tell me, tell me. what What's what's dead being like? And he's like, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. So that's some uh, bright and sunshiny uh, shit. Uh, I wanted him to say like, oh, it was uh you know, it was a clear blue sky and everybody had their own cloud. and My, it was this- my uh,
1: 37 virgins or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> sure. I had 72 virgins waiting for me. Sure. Uh, I wanted him just to fuck with and go, no, it was nothing. I was dead. Uh, but, uh, no, um, he said there was nothing. Um, and Mel says something about Stannis wasn't the chosen one, but somebody has to be, has to be, uh, that statement came off as if anybody could do it, they just had to like take up the mantle. Like somebody's got to take out this trash. I mean, it's going to shake up the house. Otherwise, is that what the impression that that line gave you?
1: No, uh, because there was a prior scene where she was for- trying to forecast something with um, when she was still with Stannis, and uh, she's looking into the fire, and she said, "I see nothing but snow." Right. So I, I think she's starting to realize that this is uh, this is actually, and I, I'll butcher this name if I say it: asshore, uh, asshat, or yeah, whatever. said it is.
0: asshole. Azor Ahai. Is, there you go. How's Roy Detrice, uh pronounce it? And I, this this show, by the way, it's spoiler filled. So if you uh, if you were listening and expecting no spoilers, you, you stop listening. Um, and kill yourself um, but going forward uh, that seems yeah harsh. <laughs> okay just uh, take some uh, cough medicine a lot and go to sleep yeah yeah do some
1: robo tripping tonight yeah make sure you it. got some of that dmt in there
0: <laughs> but uh but yeah uh i we're gonna use roy detrice who uh, narrates the audio uh books as my uh authority for how things should be pronounced but i don't really care but anyway, you're right. She does say she was looking for Azora High and she saw nothing but snow. Now, you know that's one of those clever puns where was she actually seeing, you know, the weather event, or was she seeing Jon Snow? Um, and obviously, we presume she meant Jon Snow. But the way she phrased it was like, you know, somebody has to be azora High. Sure. Sure, but, sure, but I think she's starting like to believe it's are,
1: him. because she. This is the first person that she's resurrected. Right. So now she's looking at this as a. I mean, she was part of a miracle. She always felt that she was going to be part of this eventually, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. And then uh, Davos asked Mel to leave in order to give John a fatherly pep to- a pep talk. Uh, oh, I thought it'd be. I, th- <laughs> right? I thought it would funny if he was actually speaking to John
1: because he wanted to speak to old Melly. Mel. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, could started. you leave us? <laughs> yeah. Hey, give, give us five here. But I love, Davos, uh, he gives that great <laughs> pep talk. I mean, he's the best coach in the
0: world. I, I would like, yeah, I want to say that. He is, he, he's just like... Every, every episode he's better. Yeah, every episode he's better. I like him more. And I don't care that it's such a deviation for the book because I'm enjoying his character. He plays like the the coolest like uncle uh, you could ever imagine. Like, you know, he, he has a swagger about him. He's constantly, uh, you know, making jokes. That's completely um, fucking mad. Yeah, it's completely fucking mad. I wonder what yeah. it's like for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing they said, you know, you, we don't know why you're back. We may never know. And that's like me going, oh, fuck. Are they not going to explain this to us? Um, they better. They better have some kind of... I mean, uh, obviously, not not all the magic should be explained, but uh, something like that should be, I, I would hope, told to us or maybe more greater detail. Like... Can Mel just resurrect anybody? Um, is this a new thing, just like it was for Thoros? Is it only certain people? Uh, I don't understand. I want the magic fleshed out a little bit, just to understand the rules.
1: Sure. I don't know if that's that important to me. I mean, I, you know, I, I assume there has to be miracles as part of the the show. Um, yeah. And we already knew it was possible, so it didn't surprise me that much. I mean, she just has this power. and I, I think it goes to... Um,
0: it didn't surprise me either, but I'm wondering, like, you know, can she, like, take all these the wildlings into battle at Winterfell, and as they fall, she can just say some words and all of them just rise back up. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah. I'm wondering about.
1: Sure. Um, yeah. She can outnight the knight's night, the night. Yeah, exactly. She yeah. might
0: not be able to raise her arms uh, and, and ra- resurrect people, but maybe say some dumb words after giving sure. them all a haircut. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She's like, get me those scissors.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Top of your sexy rubdown. Jesus. Oh, no will rise. Not there. Um, so then Jon Snow walks out into the yard, and I guess the word had already spread because the entire uh, gang out there seemed pretty nonplussed. I mean, I would have been screaming my lungs out if I saw this guy who I yeah, knew was so, dead. Like, yeah, so like, yeah, so
0: they all all twenty of them, the mm-hmm. entire contents of the Night's Watch are outside waiting for him. And I thought that was a little odd too. But yeah, they nobody says anything. They could have done mummer murmuring, you know, like yeah. oh fuck, you know, occasional like shit i don't know like just something that they they reacted and they weren't just uh you know uh, people scenery uh which is what they were but um so yeah john walks down and he's greeted by torment and we didn't get six minutes into this episode before we had a dick joke yeah (laughs) but i gotta tell you i loved uh i thought the humor did a great job of making me forget uh how ridiculous it was that somebody's back to life like uh Tormund did such a good job delivering that line about uh I know you're not a god, god's gods would hang dong and yeah exactly not doing that,
1: yeah, and then you know I noticed too Jon Snow made the joke when he went to talk to um uh what's his name Dolores yeah dolores, When he I think that was the first joke that John's ever made in the show it might about, be I'm, i i know. hold I'm off on burning my body yeah. I don't recall him ever making a, any kind of attempt to humor prior well, to Well, it wasn't
0: funny, so uh, it was definitely... I, I chuckled, because oh, I, it was man. unexpected. Yeah. But it appears... I wrote, besides John being a little sore when people hug him, when he gives out these bear hugs, he seems to be 100% himself. Um, so we still don't know what the fallout is from his resurrection, but... Um, I thought he...
1: See, I mean, for, I, Like I said, I think he actually seemed to have a sense of humor more so in this episode, but I also... I, I, I kind of think that the old Jon Snow might have pardoned Ollie and might have pardoned maybe some of those other guys. I don't, I don't know that the other... Well, then again, he did, maybe, uh, we'll, he did we'll, kill we'll, Jorah Slint pretty Yeah, long. yeah, He's,
0: and we'll get to that. We'll save that yeah, for the end, yeah. but uh, we'll definitely come back to that. Sure. So um, that's all I have so, to say. Uh, like I said, I, I really enjoyed uh, Tormund's delivery of his joke. Tormund's joke made me chuckle, like just out loud. So, sure. um, so word up.
1: So then we go to the what has now become probably my least favorite duo in the show.
0: Gilly and Sam, Jesus well, Christ. At least it's not Dorn, right? You know what? I might rather have Dorn. You shut your scene. fucking mouth. You take that back right now. They're all I'm on a boat.
1: So we just see Sam barfing which Right. You know, but before
0: hold- we see Sam barfing, Gilly's staring out the window like, "Oh, yeah. look how magical this. Like this is the first oh, time God. she's left the farm." it's so well annoying. i think it is though she uh, absolutely it is Craster's creep um, Craster's creep
1: yeah no i th- that was a, an appropriate malapropism i think um, so sure so, it's i've noticed in this the, this differed in the book in that, and that this all happened quite a bit earlier and they're taking master aemon to to die basically right um and apparently that baby of hers is in some kind of stasis or, like, cryogenic <laughs> chamber. Because Brian and Ricken have clearly aged multiple years over the course of the show. Right. And this baby is still a baby, like, I guess. Well, at four- least it
0: has, like, you know, hair and isn't, like, uh because like, I think it was just, like, a, you know, screaming bald infant. Like, it took a, sure. a, a uh, at least some steps forward to growing larger, so I can forgive it.
1: So uh, Gilly and Sam and engage in one of the dumbest conversations I've ever heard. Uh, I agree about the sea being named the sea because you could see I don't even know.
0: And then yeah, and then Sam throwing up I thought was a uh, a failed attempt at comic relief. Like oh look at him getting sick on the boat. What a fucking loser.
1: There's enough gross stuff on the show. I don't need to see people barfing.
0: Right. I didn't. Uh, yeah. It, uh, I just, I just wondered what was going on. Uh, obviously it reinforces him being a coward or just like a, you know, a, a nerd or a yeah. you know, Herbert, whatever. Uh, but Sam reveals that he lied about taking her to Citadel. Citadel says she can't be there. They don't allow women. She says, well, they didn't allow women at Castle Black. And his logic is, well, this isn't Castle Black. Sure.
1: And I, you know what, to Rock be honest, solid. I wrote down, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I, I, so this is another example of where Sam should have just shown up in Season 7 as a full-blown Meister. Right. Don't I don't know what to the hell, this. what could Gilly actually contribute to this story? I, 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 I can't think of anything.
0: Yeah, I don't, I, I have nothing. Because at least in, in the book, Gilly is actually transporting uh, Mance Raider's baby. Because yes. they did a baby swap to keep Mance Rayder's baby safe from Melisandre, who was probably going to burn the baby for his king's blood because mm-hmm. Mace, Mance Rayder was king beyond the wall. But here, you're right, besides um, Sam needs to go to Old Town to do some learning, we don't need to see any of this crap, do we?
1: No, no. And, you know, <laughs> the, uh, I was thinking about if they try to create, you know, like a
0: Benefer type nickname for these couple, it would be, I guess it would be just silly. Sam that, and Gilly. We are referring to this uh, duo because unfortunately we are going to see them again. They don't oh, cast God. people for one scene in one season, so sure we'll refer to this duo as silly going forward. It has yeah. been be- bequeathed. So,
1: so that, that Sam gives some nonsense about she's going to go stay with his parents. <laughs> uh, I, I just I don't understand why I care about that or what the scene is. And then at the end, she says that this is Sam's kid, which you know she's just trying to stick him. With the, uh, with the paternity so that she, he'll right. pony up those uh, child support payments eventually. 18 years. <laughs> yeah. You gotta a support for
0: 18 years and on the 18th birthday. You Get find a out garnishment on his, his uh,
1: meister wages eventually. This is terrible for him and he's just letting it happen.
0: Right. And I wrote down that she's gonna stay with his family and yeah. in the books, like, we don't see this yet, but he's just like, well, I'm just gonna go home and tell them that this is my bastard son and they have to basically take care of him. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's his plan now because they thought he was such a punk he would never probably knock somebody up. I imagine he'll get some high fives. Um, sure, but, but deep down inside he'll know he's lying about. Yeah, it. and that's the problem. And I also wrote down that I smell a monster in law such a scenario <laughs> in which Gilly is such a like a a rube from the sticks, and these people at Horn Hill they live in a castle. I mean, they're a major lord. They're the biggest like one of the biggest uh, competitors to. Um, uh, the Martells mm-hmm. because they're a vassal to the Martell. So it's kind of like, you know, river run or, uh, the Boltons. That's how large they are. Um, as far as a, uh, a Lordship. Sure. So they're going to be eating fancy meals with different forks and Gilly's not going to know any of that shit. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. With this wildling trash, but <laughs> <laughs> <Fucking> wilding trash.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, this, this scene really, I, I didn't like anything about it. Yeah. And it's just one of these things where they, they're adding these scenes and it doesn't seem to have any purpose, doesn't drive the show. It's I boring. guess maybe
0: people like Sam and Gilly. And and once again, I've I've defended Silly, the Sam and Gilly pairing in the past, because I thought it was like this innocent love between like two naive children. Uh, but yeah, it's just annoying. I, I, I agree with you. So unless the Sam or Gilly storyline evolves later in the season, I'm gonna consider this a waste.
1: Sure. Sure, and they need to get their asses on Maury. That's
0: for sure. <laughs> All right, so then we go to Tower Joy. We get middle aged Maury. <laughs> <laughs> middle aged Maury, or Who middle likes ages from the Ma- middle age Maury? <laughs> I like middle aged Maury. I think he's always been middle aged. Yeah, um, he's been
1: like that for a long time.
0: Yeah, I don't know if middle if, if if readers or listeners, whoever is out there consuming this, do some research and find out uh, if Maury had a career before he was middle aged, and send send us the results. All right, so we'll move on to uh, Tower Joy, the flashback that I was looking forward to. And in true fashion, I shouldn't have gotten my hopes up. Hey, Um, listen, this was 20 years in the making. Yeah, 20 years in the making. So the scenario is slightly different from the books, but this is revealed in a Ned Stark flashback from book one of Game of Thrones. And it really didn't give us any new information at all. I imagine this is new for for show watchers, but for book readers, we get nothing here. Um, so they changed around well, how many. To be d-
1: fair, it did let us know that Ned looks like a cross between Doogie Hauser and Beavis. Young Ned,
0: he did. I felt like his forehead was way too big and his yeah. face was too scrunchy to be Ned, even. He like, did, and he did do several. <laughs> I must have missed that. Yeah, but you gotta but, turn it up. Next. All right, so Ned, uh, Helen Reed, and a few of his boys roll up to this tower and two of the Kingsguard, although they're not dressed as Kingsguard, they're dressed as uh, Targaryen knights because they have the uh, uh, dragon symbol on them and Ned Stark's like, well, I looked for you here, you know, where Rhaegar died on the trident. You weren't there. I looked for you at this other place, said it wasn't there. Uh, And they're like, why are you here? Because this is where our prince told us to be. Um, You know, and the popular opinion is they are guiding, they are guarding the king the true heir apparent, which is the baby in the tower. But this is not confirmed um, in the scene at all. But regardless, they say, he's like, well, you know, where's my sister? And he's like, well, good luck in the wars to come. Basically, let's fight. So they fight the fight. Uh, And Brian, what did you... I wanted to get your opinion of this sword fight. I I enjoyed it.
1: I thought there were too many cuts. I mean, it was almost like a McGee or... Right, uh, kind of thing, but um, once it got down to the sword of the morning, which I assume is a is a morning wood joke. Yes, um, it is. Yeah, I, I thought it was really badass. I mean, they, I, it's just too much cutting. But I thought the choreography, especially when he was swinging the two swords, was good. And, and the, the thing that was different about th- than most of these kind of sword fights is all four guys were attacking him at the same time, uh, which you know usually like for instance in the in the marine pit you saw everybody kind of take their turn. And so I thought that was interesting. Um, I liked it.
0: Okay. I want to say that I, I, I agree with you. I feel like uh, the cuts were a little weird. I feel like it was too far back at times and then too uh, close at times. Sure. Uh, I just think it could have been edited together better uh, to make it more exciting or shot better. Uh, But one thing I do want to disagree with you on, I thought the two, two swords thing is something that like Hollywood does all the time where it's just like, well, how can we make this one swordsman stand out as the best swordsman in the world? Um, and just like, they just they just double the scale or make the scale bigger, and it's just like, well, he has two fucking swords. It's like when, you know, somebody gets mauled by a shark, they, it can't just be like a CG shark of normal size because a regular shark can do that. They always make the shark, you know, four times bigger. And I feel like that was the case here, but I didn't mind it. It's fine. I understand that skepticism, but
1: I, I thought they played it well. And this is the only guy who did it, it uh, that I've seen in the show, and he's supposed to be maybe the best swordsman of all time. That's so true. So it makes sense that he that that's the guy who could actually do it and do it well. The way it was choreographed, I thought it made him do did make him look like he was the. Yeah,
0: and supposedly it. the guy who played uh, Arthur Dane is a legit sword master. So they they hired a a gun to come in and be mm-hmm. this person. So he knows his shit. Um, but one problem I have it, from a book reader's perspective is uh, the Sword of the Morning had a magical sword of his own called Dawn. Uh, and it was possibly Valyrian steel, possibly older. Uh, the legend said it was a sword crafted from a meteor uh, and handed down not from every Dane but to Danes, It was uh, which was his household name, but Danes that showed the quality of being such a badass warrior that they deserved to carry this Supposedly Magical Blade. Uh, But whatever. That's a nitpick. I don't really care. Uh, But I can see how it piss some people off. Um, Seems like you care. Well, I wanted to bring it up. I just wanted to bring it up. I'm just joking. Sure. uh, Okay, so... um, So, yeah. The Sword of the Morning uh, proceeds to dispatch everybody. um, And I didn't see Howland Reed, the guy who eventually comes back once it's just... Uh, the Sword of the Morning, and Ned Stark. I didn't see Howland Reed get uh, injured. Um, he must have been one of the four guys, but I didn't uh, see it, so... Uh, I didn't go back and take the time to look, but neither did I, I when
1: I watched it initially, I thought it was he was the first one that was struck.
0: Okay, yeah, it, you're probably right. And he was... Because that makes sense, because I think the first guy who was struck was struck in the chest. Everybody else had their throat slit by a yes. sword. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes sense. Uh, but... In the, uh, so Howland Reed, it's always been suspected that, uh, Ned was an okay swordsman. He even admitted that. So how he could have beat this guy was always up in the air, um, from a book reader's speculation. But Howland Reed stabbed the guy in the back. And this is jumping ahead to the after show, um, you know, the, the show we're talking about. It. Yeah, the circle jerk. <laughs> the, uh. Two man circle jerk. The two man circle jerk. Yeah. Going back to that, they said that. This shows this puts a hole in Ned Stark and makes him more dishonorable. I don't see that because it's not like Ned Stark had a choice. He didn't tell that guy, "Hey, stab that guy in the back when he's not looking." Kalen Reed acted on his own accord. Uh, Ned Ned is basically blameless, you know. And even if he didn't strike down the guy when he was on his knees, he probably would have bled out and died anyway. So I don't see how Ned is. Uh, besides, he fact he he lied to Bran, or maybe not brought up the details of. Well, you know, I was fucked and I was going to get killed, but Howland and Reed came up behind him and shoved a fucking knife through his throat, you know?
1: Well, I think it's more from a, uh, he's let this mythology about that day build up and hasn't apparently done anything to correct it. Um, so I think that's more what they were going for.
0: Yeah, but I would I would attribute that to the fact that he wants to avoid talking about this incident as a whole. Well, that's but entirely Brand, possible. Mm-hmm. Right. But Bran says, I've heard the story a thousand times. Well, did he hear it from Ned or did he hear from other people? Old Dan, Old Nan telling stories again, her and Willis. Can't um, keep her trap shut. Yeah. Uh, But then, you know, so, Helen uh, Reed kills the sword of the morning and uh, we hear a woman scream and Ned starts running up the tower. Uh, Bran's like, oh, I want to go see. Um, and he yells, Father and Ned turns around um, as if he heard Bran talk. Now, this is something that, uh, and then jumping ahead, we'll come back. The Three-Eyed Raven says, the past is the past and you can't affect it. Uh, He probably heard the wind, but Bran's convinced that his father heard him. And that appears to be the case, as if Bran can time travel. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? First of all,
1: the Three-Eyed Raven should be called a Three-Eyed Asshole because he always breaks up these things that are actually going to be interesting. Right. You know, I, I don't know about that time travel thing. I don't really have any clue what the, where they're going with that, if he can actually impact the past or the future. Or I guess just the past. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I really don't have any clue. Uh, I don't think the shows provide us any insight, and I don't know the books well enough to say whether or not he can do that.
0: Well in in the books he he speaks Theon's name when Theon's in uh Winterfell uh still being Reek and Theon hears his name and he thinks the tree is speaking to him so that's Bran for sure. Um but I don't know if that's in real time or in the past. I think that's more real time mm-hmm. cuz Bran's actually uh up north when Theon's Reek. Uh but regardless I just I think it's uh you know there's all sorts of weird tinfoil uh theories about uh, Brand warging people in the past and affecting things kind of retroactively. Uh, but we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, that sounds crazy. Right. So, uh, yeah, the, th- the three-eyed fucking party killer um, breaks everything up, sends them back to the, the cave. and tree all, Yeah, the tree matrix and says, you know, you can't stay down there too long. He's like, bitch, I didn't want to stay down there forever. I just want to see what's up in that goddamn tower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just, they just blue-balled us again. They're just trying to drag this out, which we think this is, this whole Tower Joy sequence is leading to Jon Snow's true patronage. Or, well, you uh, do
1: goddamn well that they weren't going to show it this episode.
0: You know what? You I do. should have known that, and I think uh, part of me want, did know that, but uh, part of me also wanted to find out, so I was upset. But I saw it coming, you know, towards the end there. I was like, wait a minute, we've been here for, like, eight minutes. That's too yes. long in a 45-minute, 50-minute uh, program, uh, to be in one place. So I figured that was the case. But, um, the three eyed Raven also said that, you know, I've been here for a thousand years. I'm thinking, is that an exaggeration or has he really been there for a thousand years? Uh, cause he's definitely not that old in the books. Um, he's only more like a hundred years or so. Um, but he also reiterated that Bran will leave the cave for sure. So they want us to let us know that we're not going to be here forever. And I wish somebody would have said that shit about Danny and Marine. I wish Dan, somebody <laughs> would have said like, uh, Jorah Mormont's like, well, you're not going to be here forever. Although it fucking feels like it. Sure. So,
1: and so that transitions into uh, to the next scene with uh, Danny's on the way to Horsey Town. Yeah, and, and Burning Man. Yeah, Burning Man and Horsey Town. And she's following the horde. And uh, the horse is escorted uh, unkindly to a the event center there in Horsey Town.
0: Yeah, it's Bronco yeah. Stadium because they have the horse uh, statues.
1: Yeah, there you go. Uh, tried to create some kind of tension, but I, I this I didn't really care about so Me much. Me neither. The whole story just so off track, and I don't
0: know what the point. I mean, I think this is I- stretching things out. Like uh, we all assume Danny's not going to spend the rest of her life here with these no. old crows crones she's going to end up back in marine and then hopefully going to westeros so this is just stretching out the inevitable for i mean the only explanation i
1: have is that it's teaching her some degree of humility again because all she does is spit this list of self-proclaimed titles that are preposterous that nobody gives a shit about right and at the same time it's allowing Tyrion and varies to uh bring together the strategy and kind of take over marine in the meantime
0: Right, but we also had her getting shat on or humiliated last week sure. or the week before. So I don't, I don't know what reiterating this is doing for us. Um, so she
1: ends up going in, and I guess all the Dosh Colleen are in are in the uh, event center there, yep. and um, they strip uh, strip her down, and you see the no nudity clause in action.
0: Yeah, um, they could have. Why couldn't they have given us uh stunt boobs grafted uh, Daenerys face onto that stunt boobs woman and given us our boob quota for the week? I don't know. I yeah, don't know. it's That's, a shame. i to write a letter.
1: That, those <laughs> clowns, the uh, showrunners. And so they clothe her in doth rags. And uh, she, of course, tries to list off her stupid self proclaimed titles that no one has given shit about in quite a while, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she, I, I liked her for a long time, but now that she keeps trying to assert her position that hasn't really been earned, um, she's starting to veer off in annoying territory for me. Sure.
0: I agree. Uh-huh. Like I, she's she's a very annoying uh, character in the books as well. So mm-hmm. I will say sometimes her character is tedious. I feel though she's like Jon Snow is as, as she's kind of like Molly Sue in that she's doesn't have too strong of a personality so that you can identify with her because I think her and Jon Snow were the true protagonists if you can assign yes. it to those people. So I will say she is boring in the books as well. Um, but this is a new level of, I really don't care. Yeah. Um, because we know where she's going to end up. Right, exactly. There's, there's, It's like Jon Snow's resurrection. Yes. There's no real tension here.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, she's told by the Doge Colleen that they don't care about her title. She shouldn't have left uh, after Cal Drogo died. Going into the open world was forbidden. So now her fate is to be decided by a council meeting. And uh, it was funny the end of the scene, the Doge Colleen lady mocks her by calling her the mother of dragons. Thought that was a nice touch.
0: Right. Also, that she says, well, all the Kalisars are going to be in town to take votes on which cities to sack, which people to rape. <laughs> like, yeah. they plan it out. Like, it's one thing that these were just like barbarous hordes that just roamed the countryside, preying on whatever they wanted. But the fact that they get together and decide this stuff is a little uh, weird and almost makes it worse or uh, more unforgivable. Like, we sure. don't, do we want these people on our side? I don't know. I guess so. Um, But uh, yeah. Not, not a cool. lot to this scene. Even though, I know we said in the beginning, there was a lot A lot of this was, didn't move the story forward. It was at least amusing. This wasn't either of those things. No, it was not amusing at all. All right, so uh, when we're done with this, we head back to Marine. So similar uh, area of the map, and <laughs> Varies. I love Varies. So let me let me caveat this whole thing by saying, I love Varies. And this scene allowed Varies to be Varies and manipulate people. Um, is it Varies or is it Varies? Varies, whatever. Roy de Trees. We'll check the pronunciation later. But Varies, Varies. Um, I love him in this scene. He's he's doing what he does. He's manipulating people and getting them to spill their secrets, and we see how he does that. But mm-hmm. at the beginning of the scene, he is acting so super gay, it's outlandish. Like, he's fanning himself with this fan, and he's talking about how hot the other dudes must be in leather. And then when the prisoner comes in, he's like, you look lovely. I can't believe you didn't break a sweat walking up all those stairs. And I was like, wow, this guy's asexual, right? Because, well, I assume he's asexual. He doesn't have um, any sexual organs, or at least uh, extremities for those sexual organs. He's got organs. no twig and berries. Right. But uh, I just thought it was like over the top, trying to make him um, fam or, you know, outlandishly gay. But um, so he finds this woman who they did a flashback in the previously on, and she was one of the prostitutes that would sleep with the Unsullied, but then uh, read out all the secrets to the Sons of the Harpy, and we even saw her murder one of the Unsullied. Uh, Mm -hmm. on camera but I love how calm uh, Varys is talking to her and she seems very impassioned about how these are foreign occupiers and blah 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 and he's like oh yeah yeah that that makes all the sense in the world from your perspective and it's like the most polite way to say yeah this is your problem I don't give a fuck (laughs) my problem (laughs) is this like I just thought it was so well done how he uh, laid it all out for her and it's just like, well, I'm not going to threaten you, but, you know, if you get killed, who's going to take care of your kid? Otherwise, he's, he's clearly a student of Dale Carnegie. He's right. read how to, how to Win
1: Friends and Influence People. How to Win
0: Friends he, and How to
1: Turn if, a Trick. And so he knows that you don't tell people, you don't get people to do things by what you want, but by convincing them what
0: they want. It was their own idea, right? Yes. So, yeah, he, you He's know, been to the seminar.
1: He yeah, knows he, the deal.
0: He's paid the $500. He's almost uh, level two at this point. <laughs> in it's, operating Thetan level? Is, yes, Thetans are way up. When did, um, the,
1: when did the Scientology become uh, involved with Dale
0: Carnegie? I, it's the same shit. Like Not the same shit. There's definitely levels, but... I, I don't I think know, Dale Carnegie had e-meters. No, but Gale like Dale Carnegie's the foundation still holds seminars and they have like where they get people to go and listen to other assholes who aren't Dale Carnegie because that mm. asshole's been dead for you know a hundred fucking years, whatever it is. Uh but I'm just saying they're trying to sell a belief system. Basically what they're selling is you can be as rich as this rich piece of shit from history if you just listen to um, you know, Jim Brewer or whoever they, they- The comedian <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Donkey boy (laughs) donkey boy i don't know just some random asshole that they get up to speak to people and they sell them that you know i'll tell you how to manipulate people just like dale carnegie did it's the same uh selling people lies which we will come back to it sounds like you don't want to win friends or influence people you know what i might want to influence people but i got enough friends Okay. okay so i'm sorry moving on all right moving on uh that's it uh Varys basically turns this girl out and I enjoyed this scene just because I, I like the actor who played who plays Varys. Um, like I said, I enjoy the interaction between him and Tyrion. Um, so if yeah, you don't have any else to say... No, he's good. He's really good. And I think that what,
1: what is interesting is the way he maintains a straight face and everything that he says has some degree of ambiguity. And so just the way he threatens her without actually threatening her... Was really yeah. a uh, that that was very well written and very well acted. Yeah, um, and
0: I will say once again, credit where credits due. Uh, the double Ds, Benioff and Weiss, they actually were the credited writers for this episode. So, as much as I hate some of their decisions, uh, this was a very well written and a very well acted scene for sure. I gotta I was, give them my hats off.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, it was also really interesting. And I think you might have already said this, but. To see what Varys' process was, um, and how he obtains information, and right, I do. I like him better now that you know he doesn't just murder and torture people. Other than the guy who cut off his twig and berries, right? But, um, it, it was interesting to see how he does he does manipulate people and set up these kind of things. And that it cut to uh, it, sorry. You can go ahead with the next scene if you'd like.
0: No, no I want to. I want to go back on this point. This is why mm-hmm. I hate the Dorn plot line or anybody else who's playing the Game of Thrones just by slitting people's throats, it shows that just like Littlefinger, Varys can be a player in the game without having to be directly violent himself. He can use his yeah. mind and his, I don't know, his words basically to manipulate people so he doesn't have to spill their blood. And I think that's a big part of what people like about Game of Thrones, the intrigue. Um, sure. You know. So uh, going on, going on from there... Uh, Tyrion's waiting in the queen's apartments, I guess, uh, in Marine and Tyrion is obviously intellectually bored and lonely. Uh, and he's talking to these servants. I mean, they're high powered (laughs) servants, but you have, um, you know, Grey Worm, who's the leader of the Unsullied and the Unsullied, you know, didn't have personalities for the majority of their lives. So he's a bore and, um, Missandei is also an interpreter and, and these people just don't have a lot of leisure time. So Tyrion's bored, and he's talking about distractions. I felt this scene, as much as I love Tyrion, I felt that the scene went on a little bit too long and wasn't as funny as it could have been.
1: No, I mean, this is probably the second instance in history of somebody playing Never Have I Ever. Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love how he tried to explain it. He's just like, well, I'll say something, you know.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, everything makes sense for the characters. Of course, the slaves have never played games or... But uh, yeah. Uh, did you, did yeah. you find this
0: scene just like ponderous? Like why, why is yes. this happening?
1: Yeah. I mean, I did like it when gray worm kept talking about petrol. Um, yeah. that was pretty funny, but no, again, nothing to it added, added nothing to the story. I mean, I guess it was supposed to illustrate the differences between the classes. Um, but I don't know that it did anything for the story.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think it added much to anything, but, uh, eventually Varys waddles up to save the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's telling us that, uh, from what he learned from the uh, the traitor woman he was just dealing with, the rebellion, the the sons of the harpy are being funded by the other slave cities. Now that doesn't seem like a big surprise, and it really doesn't f- like get us to find out who the harpies are besides just people within the city that are being funded from outside the city. It really doesn't. I think
1: they're probably mercenaries.
0: Oh, really? That would be that would be amazing, or that would be a, a nice... Uh, I mean,
1: that would make a lot more sense, because I don't know how they would pay former slaves in the city to go around and murder the people who used to enslave them. That's a very they, good
0: point, but I don't... Or how they would have any kind of military training, unless they were there. or You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely know what you mean. That's an excellent point. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just don't think the show's that smart. So I think they're like... Uh you know they think oh well the sons of the harpy are getting all their fire money from <laughs> from uh, astapor sure and i think this that, that was the first time i thought that
1: the plot for the uh sons of the harpy line might actually make sense it it would make sense that, no i think that's that headcanon but that would yeah. that
0: would make a lot of sense that would that would do a lot for me to get me more on board of the sons of the harpy we've talked about in past episodes how the the movement really doesn't make any sense no, oh, there's such a no, large so. group of people that um, that are doing this fighting. Uh, it 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 just seems crazy uh, because in the books it's more of like a shadowy operation, more of a guerrilla warfare thing. Uh, unlike these huge assaults that they're launching in the TV show. It, it, I mean, it takes a lot of organization. Somebody must talk. I don't know. But it, it seems sure. a little more ridiculous. Sure. Sure. All right.
1: So then that, that scene ends with uh, Tyrion asking if he can send a message to the wise masters of the other cities, which it does It does set up what how Tyrion is going to handle this massive problem that is happening in Meereen, and the fact that the uh, slave masters have already taken back over Astapor, Yunkai, and Volantis. Yep. Um, so at, at least it, it ended with an up-note of, hey, this could be going somewhere. Tyrion is going to figure out how to unite these cities because he is that great at uh, administration and that sort of thing.
0: Right, and they hinted that in the uh, next on, which we'll get to. But uh, sure. at least something's happening where we we have the promise. I'm not going to say something's happening because something really didn't happen. Uh, nothing mm-hmm. really happened, but we have the promise that something might happen in the next episode. And that's the, uh, <laughs> I would say that's the theme of a lot of these scenes. Not all of them. Sure. Uh, but a lot of these scenes.
1: So th- and so, Doug, we move to the next scene and we see Kyburn in his creep palace um that place is really weird especially with all the children Uh, i wrote down it looks like a a touchy uncle's basement complete with the candy and all the knickknacks in there um but it was
0: didn't you fear for the kids lives like immediately
1: yeah i was concerned um but then once uh it became clear that kyburn was attempting to take on the varus role in uh in westeros um where the hell were they? Kings Landing. Kings Landing, yeah. Kings Landing. Um, I, I thought the scene became more interesting because now we knew actually. I mean, I think it's always been hinted at who the little birds were. Now we know who they right. are. It's also interesting that Kyburn is attempted to take over. Um, but it also made me think: Was Varys the Coney of Westeros? Oh, okay. I could see that. Go on. Uh, so then, uh, he's setting up that he's setting out all of his little birds now by offering them candied plums. I think is what it was.
0: Yeah, when he said they were from Dorne, I immediately thought they were poisoned. Sure. So then we—that <laughs> would make sense. Uh, so then, Bobby Strong
1: and the Lannister gang show up. The crew. Yeah, yeah rolling three deep. Uh, Jamie Lannister asks about uh, about Bobby Strong and. Um, and they asked whether he can he could just go crush the high sparrow. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene was interesting because we did we learned who the little birds were and it set up Kyburn as being the new Varys, um, and then it also I think this was the first time that we learned, and I could be wrong on this, that uh, Cersei was her trial would be trial by combat.
0: Right, and it's reinforced later when uh, Tommen tries to talk to the high sparrow and learns that. His mom's not done. She has to atone for more sins. I'm guessing that they're that the walk of shame wasn't good enough.
1: No, I don't. I think in this when that actually happened, they said it wasn't. Uh, That was just for her to get out of uh, church. Basically
0: for bond.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, so then Cersei says that she wants her birds all over, um, including so that she can basically kill anyone who laughs at her.
0: Yeah, and this That's I think confirms in retrospect what we yes. suspected last week with the the guy with the prosthetic dick is that she you know was prosthetic. I mean, that guy could really hang dong uh, in real life, I guess, but I'm going to assume it was prosthetic. Um, so she, we suspected that the only reason that made sense for Robert Strong to go around killing some drunk guy at a fucking like pub at two o'clock in the afternoon was because Cersei sent him here there to destroy that guy, right? And we we thought that's what happened because she stared at the blood on his um, armor um, and she wasn't surprised. So I think that confirms that here by saying she's really concerned about people that are talking shit about her. Um, Which wouldn't it be every single peasant? In right. The I, case I feel like that's just uh, something a crazy person would do. And sure. if she's going to be crazy and paranoid, I feel like she has to be more frantic. And so far in the show, that's portrayed her as being very quiet and introspective. So, I feel like that's at odds there. One other thing I wanted to say about this scene is they refer to Robert Strong as Sir Gregor several times in this scene. Uh, so, I thought that was surprising because I know they're alone, but if people find out that Sir Gregor is still alive, uh, he basically admitted to killing, um, you know, um, the former queen and her children, um, because that's one thing that Oberon got him to do. As, as he was getting his brain smashed in. Sure. Um, so, uh, and I feel like Doran's going to be pissed off if uh, Sir Gregor is still alive. So I think they should keep that Sir Gregor shit on the down low and call him Robert Strong. But uh,
1: Well, in the next scene, though, uh, it's clear that everybody on the the small council knows that that is Gregor Quigley. Right.
0: In the books, they they suspect it, but they're not willing to say it out loud And because we get a, a chapter out of Kevin Lannister, who's in the next scene. So yes. why don't you take us into the next scene?
1: So then we see a small council meeting between Kevin Lannister, the queen's uncle, which he played a significantly smaller role in the show versus the books. Yeah. Um, also there is uh grand maester Pycelle, and the queen, uh, of thorns. queen of thorns. Yeah. A couple other randos. Um, so uh, Picel is going on and on about crazy Kyber.
0: Right. <laughs> you know, you know what's coming, right? Right. It says, this is so like telegraphed. it was, yeah, this wasn't needle, even needle funny. Scratched. I was just I was just watching it going, what the hell's happening here?
1: Yeah, you, you heard you had to have heard the needle scratch. Right.
0: The, yeah. And and piecel farts. <laughs> yeah. You're laughing at it, but I was just like, I love farts. I think farts are uh funny in almost any situation, even funerals. But in this scene, it just didn't land for me. I was just like god that's so you know i didn't notice at the
1: first watch through and just going around and looking at different things on the internet uh somebody put up a
0: screen crap
1: of the closed
0: captioning of <laughs> what did it just say did it say small fart in that's, italics or what
1: yeah, i think it just said fart
0: oh so i didn't even describe the fart no that sucks but, and you imagine and can you imagine being deaf and and like said the description you get is fart yeah I mean, there's all sorts of farts in the world, so I feel like it should have been given a little bit more, uh, you know, descriptive words besides just fart.
1: Yeah, we should have you in the closed captioning game. I think. You know what?
0: It. I, I do enter that game. I've thought about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's hard to break into, from what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, of course, the uh, the the once Cersei and Jamie and Robert Strong show up. Um, <laughs> so that 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 interaction was funny in that. The Queen of Thorns says something about or somebody says something about they're worried about the Queen. Cersei thinks that they're referring to her. No, she and-
0: insinuates it. She obviously knows what they're talking about, but she wants to bring it back to relevance. But I think this whole scene is just about how like nobody respects Cersei anymore. Yes. Like she's just done. And Jamie, you know, is is once again impotent. I I, I I do not like the character assassination of Jamie, I will say, because, you know, in, in the books he's redeeming himself, he's trying to be a better person, he's distancing himself from Cersei. In the show, he's still being an impotent piece of shit, not being able to do anything or be strong for anybody, intellectually or with his uh, sword arm. Uh, sure. So I think he's more of a waste but I uh, thought the
1: Queen of Thorns had that really funny line. She and, and that, uh, I know it can be confused. I understand these things can be confusing for your family. Or for your family,
0: yeah, she's pretty great. Some of the she time. is awesome. I, I would like her in the show more, and that's the kind of shit that the show could do. Uh, deviate from the books when you have a fucking like hot hand. You you yeah. run that thing into the ground. So I'd have the Queen of Thorns rewritten into the entire um, series. Like you You'd know, make her the, the narrator. Character.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Make her the narrator, that's fine. Yeah.
0: And she'll drop sarcastic uh comments on everybody. It'll be awesome. Sure.
1: So uh Cersei wants to uh avenge wants to discuss the death of Marcella and uh and revenge upon Dorn. Uh nobody else in the small council really gives a shit. And, which I found
0: uh, odd, which I think it was more about uh, you know, they probably do want to discuss that stuff, but they were more just shunning Cersei than they were um thinking that her grievances or what she wants to talk about was relevant. I think they were just like, no, we're, we're talking about this other thing right now. Um, mm-hmm. and when, you know, Kevin says, you can't make us, uh, stay or you can't, well, we can't make you leave, but we can leave. Um, unless that, that thing's going to murder us all. And, yeah. uh, you know, they, they basically just are like, we don't want, you know, there's like, she's the stinky kid now. She used to be the cool girl that would sit at the lunch table and everybody would flock to her table and sit around her. Now she's the stinky kid where she sits down, everybody at the table leaves. Uh, sure.
1: The one who's wearing two different socks. Yeah. The wearing one. a parka. It's the summer. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess th- and this is a scene that, again, I thought was amusing at the time in retrospect. Didn't really do anything other than yeah. continue to set up this conflict then it's uh, Cersei and Jamie and Robert Strong versus the world. Right. Uh, but uh, definitely the best fart joke on the history of the series.
0: Uh, I will say it's got little company, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. So then we go to uh, Church Jail. <laughs> and church Jail HQ. Church <laughs> Jail HQ. Talmud rolls up like a fucking gangster, but then gets punked out like a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> the old man says.
1: <laughs> "Before <laughs> I need to interrupt before. Go ahead. We get into this. I did notice the tiny crown.
0: You did right. That yeah. that crown is way too small for his and head, making so him look down, clownish.
1: I wrote down he has to be called Princess Tiny Crown <laughs> because he's not doing anything. He's got this goofy tiny crown. Yeah, but absolutely anyways, right. Sorry, I just had to remark that after the last episode, you bring up the yeah, tiny crown. No, thought,
0: he, okay. I'm glad you noticed it this time. But uh, yes, yeah his his crown is absurdly tiny. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah. Tommen rolls up there saying, you know, my mom, the queen wishes to see her daughter's remains and the guy's just being a dick saying, well, I can't let that happen because she hasn't atoned enough. Uh, and, you know, it's this ridiculous thing where. Uh, but,
1: but why not?
0: Yeah, that's the thing is like they never explain it. And, and Tommen's just a fucking dumb kid. So he falls for this shit hook, line and sinker. Basically, the old man starts talking about greater mysteries and the love of a mother and somehow ties that to himself in the church. And he, um, you know, he talks about, you know, this is not what I want. This is what the gods want. Well, that's bullshit. And you know, anybody who's not a fucking rube would be able to see through that shit. Uh, and know that this, this fucking old man has no direct line to the gods. Other, you know, that no, that anybody else has like Tom. And if you want to talk to the gods, he could have said, Tom, could have said, well, I talked to the gods last night and they changed their mind. And he would have a completely valid fucking argument. Sure. in in this scenario but um, of course he's a goddamn child which you would think uh Cersei would now that she's kind of in his graces and she and Tommen doesn't have Marjorie to lead him astray uh Cersei would be training him to be Joffrey 2.0 but this is not happening um so it's obvious that he's going to get turned by the high sparrow because he started to see the crazy bullshit Nonsense started to swallow it hook, line, and sinker from the sparrow. Yeah. Uh, Now, the
1: sparrow could actually have an e meter based on the the mental manipulation he's doing. And, you know, we see it in the preview of Marjorie attempting to confess later. Right. So, again, not a lot happened in this episode or this scene. This scene, no. But but I do think it's interesting in that it potentially sets up Marjorie and Princess Tiny Crown against the Lannisters.
0: I I, I thought the same thing. So Mm -hmm. um, it's obvious, and as you said, we'll get to it in the next week's episode, Marjorie appears to be all on board with the uh, High Sparrow, which we saw coming. And now Tommen is leading that way after the scene. It seems like they could both accept the crown and kind of, yeah, form a holy alliance against the Lannisters. And obviously that's not going to end well for anybody. And Tommen's definitely got a number on his head as far as you know, it's just a matter of time before he's dead. Yeah, um, he's gonna die.
1: He's, but th- but the thing is with Marjorie though, I think she's been one of the better manipulators in the show up until she was taken by the Faith Militant.
0: Right. So it seems she has no you know. power and I, I don't know. And I and what what is the small council doing? What is Mace uh Tyrell and uh the Queen of Thorns, what is their plan to get their daughter and their son? Or grandson in the queen. Oh, uh, shit, yeah, I forgot about him. What are their him. fucking plans? They yeah. don't like. Cersei want seriously crashed that fucking party in the small council room, but still, what the fuck is their plan to get uh, both Tyrell prisoners out? They they don't seem to approach that subject. Whoa, like, what? shouldn't they both be Lord. united in destroying the church? Like, Loras Tyrell was a big deal in the series. Yeah, uh, I mean he's a, he's a he's a badass fighter. Yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. it's huge. So. Um, and there's no, he is, you know, he's on the Kings now, but he was the heir to, uh, high So they don't have any other children besides those two, at least in the show. So I don't know what's going on. They don't seem to have a plan. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, I, I want to see Robert strong tear <laughs> zealots heads off and smash them under his foot. Like so bad. like, and and once again, I I'm not a fan of Circe. I just, you know, I guess this is kind of synthesized my hatred of most organized religions. Um, and I hate um, them more than I hate Cersei. Yeah, here you go. Here we well, go. Well you know they cause more deaths than uh <laughs> okay, <laughs> settle down with Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> okay, where where next? Oh,
1: then we go to Arya and the Waif oh, fighting with those deaths again. Playing the lion game. Uh Aria's apparently developing CTE because she just keeps getting beaten, beaten about the head. And, you know, I have some real concern about the employee training at the House of Black and White because she's just getting beaten. I mean, this is there's some real work safe, workplace <laughs> safety issues here. But anyways, sure. uh, once, once again, almost all of this could have been a montage to you're the yeah, best around. Right but avatar. I will say
0: that, yeah, you're right. But at least we get the montage in this episode. She starts yeah. to block... And then she starts to strike people like she she gains her proficiency. This could have been done in episode one or episode two. We didn't need it yes. to be dragged out this long. Um, but I will say they did up the stakes with their rush week because rush week is still going on, and it made me think of I can't remember the movie. It might have been the program, but there's this scene where they take all the rush candidates for the fraternity. They take them onto the roof of the building, and they have them all hold a cinder block, and then they tie. You the thinking c- of old school? Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Where they tie the cinder block to a rope and the other end of the rope is on their junk? You're thinking of a Will Ferrell movie. Yes. Okay, it's probably a Will Ferrell movie, but here's the scenario for the listener, the one guy. So basically, uh, in this college movie, the fraternity gets the pledges to go upstairs to the top of the fraternity building and they drop these cinder blocks that are tied to ropes and the other end is on their junk and they have them throw them over the the the, the side of the building. You know, basically getting them to... Danger themselves or kill themselves uh, to see if they can be trusted. Like they're willing to give up their lives, and or, this is or a, their wangs, or their wangs. And this is essentially what happens to Arya. Arya puts her wang in her the hands, wang. her metaphorical <laughs> wang, in the hands of Jake and Agar, and he's just like, "Well, if you drink this deadly water from the pool of killing people, uh, your eyesight will come back." And she has the well, choice. Y- and you're also forgetting that he did the stupid person says what test to her. Right, uh, her, yeah. yeah. What's yeah. your name? Arya's... Oh, fuck. Oh, do I have oh. to leave now? Oh, okay, fuck. Back to the drawing board. But I did want to write down about this scene. She was praying to uh, a stone representation of what I can only assume is the old gods because it was a piece of tree bark uh, with a face on it. Did you catch that? I did not. Okay, so if you were to watch it the third time, which you're not going to do, uh, okay. you will see that you will see that Arya is praying when Jake and Agar shows up to do the uh, the wang test that that it pans down from a stone <laughs> representation of a a piece of bark uh with a face on it and i can only assume that's the old god so uh. so arya is remaining true to herself which once again that's she's not no one if you know if she was no one she wouldn't be praying to anybody or she'd be praying at any god but no she's praying to arya stark's gods so there's no way i believe that she's becoming no one and she's really going down this path it's well, all and, bullshit and
1: more importantly Needle still on the rocks.
0: And Needle is in the rocks, and she's yeah. going to recover it one day and maybe stab Jake and Agar in the dick. We'll see. It'll be a fun little reveal. So let me ask you this. I didn't
1: understand. You know when she was, I guess she was creating a potion or something? Where she had the, the,
0: the yeah. spoon? the power. What was that? I don't know. And it seemed like Jake and Agar was looking on, being like, yes, yeah, she actually put it in the test tube. Yeah. I'm thinking... That didn't make any sense. So no. it seemed like she was smelling different powders. I don't know if they were potions or or poisons. It just didn't make sense. But it was part of this montage, and I guess it doesn't matter from from a from any perspective besides the fact that she's doing good because it seems like Jake yeah. Nagar, when well, she I got noticed the that
1: she did that she when she got close that she did that little wafting motion like you do when you're alone and you want to see what your fart smells like. Yeah, yeah, and then he's what, in the background going, "Yeah, I
0: know that." <laughs> he's like, uh, "I know what a oh, good yeah. fart smells yeah. like." All right, so then it we head like over meatball to subs. <laughs> meatball subs and Parmesan cheese with, uh, I don't know, the Italian bread. The Italian bread? Yeah, or maybe the Asagi, uh, Asiago. Asiago bread. focaccia cheese. Yeah, that's bread? what it is. All right, so yeah, we go over to Boltenfeld, and some umber guy shows up. Uh, what? Well, le- uh, go ahead. Is it Small John? I don't know. Did did they say that? Regardless of the books, th- this is some umber who shows up wishing to give allegiance to Ramsay, and just like Ramsay and just like the Stark, he's the young up um, up uh, jumped up uh, fucking like um, child who is usurping their parents or taking over for uh, their parents. And this guy is, I kind of like him. He's a cocky potty mouth piece of shit, uh, but I kinda like his swagger and the fact that he calls like. You know, the wild link hunts are fuckers. Um Hey, I just
1: I just went on to uh, just Google it. And mm-hmm. that is Small John according to most sources. Okay, all right. So it's a small mm-hmm. John.
0: So uh Small John, he's there and he's saying he wants to ally himself with Ramsey and he's earning favor with Ramsey by calling his dad a cunt and saying, I would have killed my my dad's a cunt too. I would have called I would have killed him if he didn't do me the favor of dying. So I feel like He's trying to ingratiate himself with this real talk, with this you know Tr- Donald Trump make a uh, make the North uh, great again talk, but um, and he serves up uh, Rickon and Asha to as a show of good faith, and he's like, I'm not going to kiss your feet, I'm not going to swear my allegiance because you know. You know, your dad did that to Rob Stark, and your dad slew him. So, what does that shit mean? It means nothing.
1: I thought. Oh, she, I want to point great, out. I thought scene. his character was hilarious. Oh, I, 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 mean, I like
0: this guy. Just sass all over the place. Right. His which, father was a cunt. Right, which leads me to my next point. It's a far fetched yeah. possibility, but I still hold out hope that this is some kind of great plan to to fuck up uh, Boltonfeld from the inside. I I know I hope I don't have a lot of hope in the showrunners and the show in general, uh, but I want this to be some kind of like great ploy to get inside of Winterfell and fuck shit up. Um, but you know the the one the biggest thing against that is the head of uh, Rick and Stark's wolf who were displayed. Um, but I thought that that wolf head looked like shit. Now I don't know if that's just shitty props or could it be another wolf. I'm grasping at straws, and I think it really is Rick and and Stark, and I really think that was Summer, his wolf, that's been killed. But I want to say, wouldn't it be more interesting if we finally have some intrigue and somebody trying to... Because they they posited this in the show last season with the North Remembers. Sansa was in Winterfell, and you had the old lady saying, we still remember who the Starks are, and we still stand behind you even though we're not doing a goddamn thing and we're letting the fucking Boltons run wild. Um, They, they hinted that there is still like a a rebellion or people who do not like the Boltons and are resisting their reign. Uh, But we haven't seen any evidence of that so far uh, this season, or in fact, in the last few episodes. So what are your thoughts about that? I know that's far fetched and it's probably not true, but what do you think? No,
1: I think there's, there's two theories on this so far is that, they uh, this umber is actually trying to ingratiate himself to house bolton um but i think it i'm leaning the other way and i'm leaning the other way for a few reasons first they discussed umber loyalty in the beginning of the thing then it he refuses to take the knee or pledge any kind of oath um the head of summer looked pretty small for a... well, supposed to be a dire wolf.
0: Yeah, it's so the same thing, but I, 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 I... think Summer
1: was supposed to be the largest of the dire wolves, so if I'm not mistaken. Well,
0: it's definitely the most savage. I don't know about the size, but regardless, yeah. I, I take your point.
1: Um, I don't know why they would ever bring in OSHA. I don't know how that would make any sense.
0: Yeah, why you does know? it matter? Why does it matter? Why wouldn't they kill her or give her to somebody else? She is meaningless in the equation. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. She gives him... she also... I don't know that she looks that surprised
1: at uh, she kind of like it almost looked like she's like looking at everybody particularly raccoon to, to like uh, get ready f- for the plan I, I don't know it seems odd but so what the question is then is if they are killing ramsey from the inside this is a plan just to to get at ramsey and that uh crazy car stark that's there who are the people who are uh on the flay who are flayed in that battle scene and who does Jon Snow go against? Right. So pre-
0: you're using your foreknowledge of the previews yes. for the season to inform yourself of what's going to happen next in the in the uh, show, which is your right, um, and it makes all the sense in the world. But at the same time, I, I want to believe you so much that I'm hoping you're right. Let's just say that well, my it, it, my so judgment that, is clouded.
1: One of the theories I've read is uh, is that the two we know that there's the two flayed people in that that battle scene one of the theories is that the flayed people are uh, young car stark and, uh, Ramsey Bolton in kind of an irony. You're just desserts kind of thing. Um, of course it would make sense if it was, uh, Rickon and Osha on there on the, uh, that are flayed in that scene. Um, I don't know. I don't Regardless, know. There's right.
0: questions. So let's pretend that this is real. And this really is a number trying to gain favor by giving over Rickon and Asha. Why would Ramsay hold on to Rickon? Why wouldn't he just kill him immediately? Because Rickon being alive is a threat to his inheritance of Winterfell. Because if there really is a Stark alive, then by all rights, Winterfell should belong to Rickon. The only thing I can think of is if he still believes that Jon Snow is a threat as well. And he wants to lure Jon Snow to him in some kind of pink letter situation from the books. I mean that's the easy solution
1: to it, but I I think the the books made it clear that House Umber was like the most loyal house to the uh, to the Starks. Right, and and uh, the only
0: other house more loyal may be the Manderleys, who we don't we don't see at all, but they yeah. they were mentioned last episode, and the Manderleys actually start killing Frey's and making other phrase eat them <laughs> in a cannibalistic way. <laughs> and it's so fucking awesome in the book. I hope they make... I don't remember oh, that. Oh, uh, so basically, um, in the book, and this is just a little quick aside. I'm try to make this quick. Um, in the book, the Boltons are at Winterfell, but so are the Manderlees, and so are some of the Umbers. The Umbers are split. Hate the phrase openly, and um, people start dying mysteriously. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a blizzard. It's an all-out blizzard. People can't go outside, and they find dead bodies outside all the time. People that are on patrol never oh, came back. Yes, yes, yes. And then, um, mm-hmm. uh, oh, the king, the the Lord Manderley is eating this pie, and it's serving it to everybody. And he just keeps eating it and talking about how he wants to hear the song of the rat cook. And the song of the rat cook is a story about how. Um, <laughs>
1: I forgot about Yeah, this. the guy.
0: The, the song of the rat oh. cook is uh there, there was a there was a guy that was cursed for inviting people into his home and uh, then killing them and uh, feeding them. Uh, he basically, he killed people and then was forced to eat his own children for the rest of eternity as like some kind of punishment for breaking guest rights, which is what the... Uh, the, the what do they call the phrase did? Regardless, okay. I want to see... Uh, hopefully... Best case scenario is the Umbers are taking this Mander League plot, and they will fuck up the Boltons and this unholy alliance of Starks and Boltons from the inside. We can only hope. Fingers crossed, because I really don't want to see yeah, Rickon fir- get fucking flayed and, and killed. It's just like, we've seen the Starks suffer enough. Okay, we've got it's it for much. fucking six seasons. Yeah. The Starks have been, you know, pile-drived into fucking nothing. Let's give them some kind of, I don't know, redemption.
1: And I have heard, I've have read online that people believe that the Umber and Manderly storylines will be combined into one in order for the sake and of. It makes, uh, and makes once again, stuff.
0: it makes all the sense in the world because they have to yeah. cut. They have to cut characters. So.
1: And so then we return to Castle Black, and um, scene starts out with I guess John is holding his vest from where he was stabbed, um, and I thought that was interesting choice, and in that I think that he's remembering why he has to go out and kill these guys.
0: Yeah, I agree. He's he's kind of uh, psyching himself up for what he has to do, and he's trying to, yeah. uh, you know, I guess remember dying. <laughs> <I don't> remember <laughs> how <laughs> fucked up Shanked it was. Shank in the yard by
1: Ollie. And yeah. So uh, we cut. The, he goes out, and it's time apparently to execute the prisoners or the uh, traitors. And apparently, there's only four traitors out of the
0: entire thing, which which seems ridiculous.
1: Yeah, you have Rando one and two, and then Thorne and Ollie, of course. Right. Um, he offers uh, everyone to give their last words. It's Rando number two,
0: uh, hilarious. I wrote down Rando number two, hilarious. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah,
1: he's from White Harbor. He asks uh, Jon Snow to whitewash the conspiracy.
0: Uh, and <laughs> Jon Snow doesn't even like dignify it with a response. He just yeah. walks by, going like, "I would have liked Jon Snow to laugh in his face, or just give him the finger." <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs>
1: And, of course, when it gets a thorn, he's an ass clown until the end. He doubles down. Yeah, he was again.
0: self-righteous and shit. The only cool thing that he said was, uh, you know, I get to rest, but you'll be fighting their wars forever. And I was thinking, yeah, he's kind of right, because, like, even if you are, um, you know, kind of all-powerful and you think you're making your own decisions, th- does free will even exist? I mean, in, in this reality or in our reality? Uh, because... You know, he's gonna be puppeted by Melisandre trying to get her own ends or maybe Danny if she comes to this uh of Westeros ever. He's gonna be alive and he's gonna be forced to be a um you know, a warrior to somebody else's service. So, well, well he,
1: he just needs another Coach Davos. Uh, yeah, he speak. needs
0: another Coach to have a spec pep talk. That's probably all he needs. Yeah, but I yeah. felt like that little dig by Alisa Thorne was the only thing redemptive that he said. Not redemptive, but just more like, okay, that will stick with him. That the fact not he's not apologizing for killing him. He's just saying, well, now that you're back, you know, if you're if you're immortal, you're just gonna be in a state of living hell or purgatory going forward, which whatever
1: Thorne's uh, just such a miserable bastard. Right. Uh, he's, he's probably happy bastard. to be murdered or uh, hung. Right. Anyway. <laughs> so then it goes to Ollie and Ollie tries to get <laughs> John, the, the hairy eyeball. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know what it is about that character. And maybe it's the actor in the writing, I guess, but, but the, just to, <laughs> You know, in reality, this kid has every reason to be pissed off at John's Snow.
0: Yeah, his parents uh, were turning God damn, you just want to still punch him. Yeah, you just want to punch the living shit out of him. But yeah. I will say I said yes when he finally got home.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I remember seeing your Facebook post. Yep. Uh, now his watch has ended. Hashtag Ollie. That was pretty no, great. No,
0: hashtag, hashtag fuck Ollie. And oh, yeah. Yes, and yes. if you listeners haven't been there, look for the subreddit fuck Ollie, O-L-L-Y, it is just all these memes about how <laughs> how people are just tearing up Ollie and like making fun of the actual actor and seeing he's a piece of shit. Uh, but that know. the fuck Ollie subreddit was going crazy Sunday night. I just kept scrolling through and refreshing. Um, it was like it was like the scene in uh, the first book of Harry Potter when Voldemort got killed by <laughs> by the by the child who lived. Um, it's just like all these people were just chiming in going, fuck, yes, that cunt is dead. These are probably grown people that are f- pretty well adjusted and, adjusted and they hated Ollie. So I I enjoyed that. One thing I will say about this scene is I was a little upset that John hung him and didn't chop their heads off like he did with Jana Slint. That was a part from last uh, season and in the books where Slint disobeyed an order and he was called to be executed by John, But right when they were about to hang Slint, he said, this is all wrong, stop. And he said, bring me my sword and bring me a block. And it wasn't that he wanted to let Janice Slint survive or give him clemency. It was just that he was going about the execution all wrong. And he was invoking his stepfather, Ned Stark, um, with he who passes the judgment should swing the sword. And he proceeded to cut Janice Slint's head off Himself, yes. so I understand why they probably did that from a show perspective. You know, you're going to kill four people. What are you going to do? Hack, hack, rando number one's head off. Hack well, Rando. I number. I don't mean th- to harp on this.
1: I know this will be the second episode in a row, but he could have lined him up and done a sword whirly bird and yeah. just taken over. <laughs> you desperately
0: want to see the sword whirly bird, oh, and man. I think they're yeah. going to give it to you. I think you're going to get it sometime. <laughs> Somebody just spinning a sword around their head like a fucking like mace and just cutting people up, screaming, uh, "I'm a helicopter." I'm a whirly really yeah. bird. Yes, either one of those. <laughs> well that wouldn't are acceptable. make any sense.
1: They would know what a whirly really bird was. They
0: They would know what a helicopter was somehow though. Sure. Alright, so the best part is okay, so he chops the, the uh the 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 uh rope, all four of them die um everybody gets a boner because it's so awesome and then john's like i'm disgusted with myself well they um, cut to the ollie uh close-up as well yeah he seemed really torn up about ollie and i i mean i guess he's, like, he's a he kid felt that ollie
1: betrayed him and he didn't
0: understand why ollie was doing that right but, but i don't Ollie's see how he doesn't like
1: total perspective yeah exactly and, and i think it's sense. just
0: it's one of these things where he probably just didn't know ollie well enough like yeah he he had an idea of of what Ollie was and what Ollie wanted and thought was important, but obviously John Snow didn't know who Ollie was because Ollie at his core could never forgive the Wildlings for murdering his family and vowing to eat them all. Yeah. So, yeah. so I feel like John is just an idiot for uh, being torn up about this a little bit, or just being naive.
1: Probably naive. He's, he always tries to do the the right thing, obviously. And it, I'm sure that he has some conflict as to whether this was the right thing. Because I'm sure he understands Alistair Thorne's position on the thing, and I'm sure he understands why Ali's so upset. All right. Random number one and two, they probably just got wrapped up in the you know the
0: plot. Right. He's uh, just like, I don't care about these yeah. know, oxygen bandits. Let them die. Sure. But I want to I go back to what you said earlier in the episode by... I asked why, how John was changed, and you think that him being dead and resurrected, this Jon Snow had the will to go forward with this, and the old Jon Snow might not have. Uh, do you want to elaborate that on that? Or I just least- think this new Jon Snow
1: gives a little less fucks. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, and I, listen, there's no way for me to prove or disprove this, but I wonder if the previous Jon Snow might have just killed Alistair Thorne and let the other ones live. And I think that's what sets him up for what he's about to do and that he's going to take on an army, try to take back Winterfell, slaughter his enemies, that sort of thing. Um, for instance, the previous Jon Snow, I think, maybe ha- may have uh, pardoned the two randos and possibly Ollie and just killed Thorne. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the previous Jon Snow, I don't think he ever attempted to make a joke in the entire series until he made the joke about not burning his body. And I, I think that might be the part of the uh, the whole thing with the resurrection in the show, and that it takes a piece of you. So it took some of Jon Snow's uh, pureness away by him being resurrected. I'll
0: I'll, I'll I'll give you that. I didn't see any clear cut evidence of that, but I will say sure. um, one thing that they left off in the show that I really wish they would have uh, brought back in the um, that was in the books. I wish they would have brought to the show was Lady Stoneheart. Um, who is a another example yeah. of resurrection? Basically, uh, for those that uh, haven't read the books, once again, spoiler alert: uh, take the coffee. I message. think it's too late.
1: I don't think that that's ever going to happen in the it's show. It's
0: definitely not. But basically, yeah. in the in the book, uh, we know that Beric Dondarian, the guy that um, that the Hound fights and the Hound kills and gets brought back to life, and he's been brought back to life eight times. Him and his band find Catelyn Stark's body floating in a river eight days after she was killed um, and resurrect Catelyn Stark. So Catelyn Stark is an undead fucking nightmare in the books and is now the new leader of that band that was led by Beric Dondarrion. Um, but she is a ruthless killer that kills the, the um, uh, phrase in droves she's killed i don't know she's out for straight revenge she's she's just out for revenge she has no it's it's a great chapter by the way because the guy that's hanging one of these frays and it's just this lame guy who's you know literally lame he's got a bum um leg and and these people this this band of outlaws says oh well we've got one of your guys bring us you know 10,000 gold dragons and we'll release him But really, they're just going to kill that guy too because they have no honor. They don't give a fuck, and they're just killing as many phrases they can. Um, And the guy's even telling. Right, the guy's telling was like, "We once stood for honor and for justice and the king's peace. Not anymore. We are just out to, you know, just kill. And that's because they're under the leadership.
1: We're going to kill them all and let the Lord of Light sort them out.
0: (laughs) Right. And that's because they're under the leadership of the resurrected Catelyn Stark, who is a Vengeful, sinking, venge like revenge obsessed monster. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope Jon Snow is. That's disappointing
1: the- that they didn't bring that character in because that was an interesting character. But they haven't. Uh, that would have been such a far diversion.
0: And I ultimately, I you know I don't know that it matters. I feel like they have to minimize the magic on the show too, like the fantastic elements um, for budgetary oh, yeah, like reasons. Dragons? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I know, like the the dragons are in. Uh but well, you I just feel slap
1: like, a Phantom of the Mask Opera face on her and and let her go, you
0: know? I, not just for budgetary concerns. I feel like they're the the big thing about uh Game of Thrones is it's gotten fantasy people like people to watch fantasy who aren't fantasy enthusiasts to watch it. So I, I can understand so, wanting them to keep the fantasy elements to a minimum. But, but at the same time Dorne. Go ahead. But they kept Dorn? Yes, but they kept Dorn. Fuck, I don't want to talk about that shit. All right, uh so basically, at the end, he gives his uh, bear coat or whatever that thing is to uh, Dolores, and says, "You have the wall, or you have Castle Black. I'm out of here," like Richard Gere. So, um, so yeah, I agree with you that uh, you said earlier that there should be some kind of election, but uh, you know, in a moment's notice, the uh, the person that's in charge can give somebody else temporary control. That's actually how John got control of the wall during the assault. Like, Donald Noy, uh, who... Well, this is in the books. I have no idea what happened in this show. But essentially, the guy that was in charge of the wall when the Wildlings attacked the the wall in Season 4 got killed, but before he did, he's just like, I gotta go take care of some shit. You're in charge of the wall, or you have the wall, or you have Castle Black. Um, so, it seems like somebody can get, be given temporary authority at Castle Black by the person in charge. But yeah, they have to... Do some elections, I guess. And then, what the fuck is John going to do from here? I have no clue. I I really
1: thought that he was going to lead a wildling army against the Boltons. And he still might,
0: but he seems to have walked away from not only the Night's Watch, but also the wildlings. He wasn't like, I'm out of here. Wildlings with me. Your God commands it. That would have made a little bit more sense. I don't know.
1: I really don't know. I thought thought that we were going to have, relatively soon, what the internet refers to as the Bastard Bowl... Which is uh Bolden versus Snow.
0: Yeah, and I think we still will. I just I'm wondering yeah. how we're gonna get there. I, I don't
1: I don't know what other from the previews, uh the season six previews, I don't know what else that big battle could be other than Bolden versus Snow.
0: Yeah, or, or possibly Sansa Stark versus um uh, um you know, Ramsey. I don't know.
1: Well where, where's Sansa coming? Where's her army coming from?
0: We'll find out. Okay, so are you done with this? Can we move on to the next week on? We can yes. Okay, so on the next week, on the first thing we see is Brianne, Sansa and uh, Podrick entering a castle. Some gate opens up before them, and they roll in. And then we cut to Littlefinger. And Littlefinger, let's let's back all up right, because
1: right. I tried to identify what that was, and the best guess I came up with was Castle Black.
0: I did too, but it seemed like that's uh, you know it they they filmed it as if it was them entering the the gate at the wall. But we know the gate at the wall opens up from the bottom to the top, and I have no idea if that's Castle Black. I mean, that's where she's headed. Maybe she shows up there. Yeah. But if well, she shows hey, up there, what is she going to do? Run into John? I don't understand. John's John already, already gone. gone? <laughs> yeah, that, I don't yeah. understand. It's it doesn't. It so it's a mystery. But regardless, but that would make sense
1: within Brienne's history of being five minutes late for right. everything. But, but I what? will.
0: But I do want to move on that. to Littlefinger because Littlefinger's. Well,
1: I just want to say right. something
0: that was funny. Jesus. Um, that the some people on the internet
1: are referring to uh, Brienne of Tarth as Brienne of House Misconnections.
0: <laughs> House Craigslist. Misconnections. You dumbass. No so it was worth it. I give you that. It's worth it. Alright but uh, then after we see um, Brienne and Sansa in front of a gate that opens don't know where Littlefinger is talking to the idiot Titsucker and he finds and he tells him about Sansa and how he's not safe uh, Sansa's not safe with the Boltons on her tail. Uh, so to me, that means that Littlefinger is going to rally the Vale, which is all sorts of people who stayed out the stayed out of this entire fucking conflict. So they probably have a shitload of people. So Littlefinger could possibly be bringing the Knights of the Vale into this whole uh, bastard bowl thing.
1: Yes, and what I was struck most by this this preview is the idiot titsucker looks like a grade A creep.
0: <laughs> he does. He looks like it's a like. Two years older and four more years in a basement oh, jacket yeah. off to snuff films.
1: Oh yeah. No, he yeah, he got past like hentai tie and he's he's getting into the real stuff stuff. And, and between him <laughs> and Littlefinger, that's a that's a great eight creep patrol. That is and the rando knight of the veil vale or king of the veil vale or prince yeah, of the other was, old their the that was the guys uh, just wait Ron or Royce. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he just looked befuddled. Like, I don't know why they even cut to him. Like, I don't know why that was even a thing.
1: I don't know. But man, uh, that idiot sucker did not age well. If yeah. it's the same actor.
0: Yeah, I think it is. It looked like him. Oh, I feel sorry for that kid. Anyway, then we cut to Theon. He's at Pike apologizing, and his sister's chewing him out. Um, yeah. I have no idea what the fuck's happening there, but I'm pretty sure. I, just, I think the, it's
1: that Asha was pissed off that uh, she risked everything to go save him. And, and now then he, he was back. Him. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you're right, I guess. But once again, I don't know what that does for the story, and I don't know how this goes into the king's moot, which <laughs> uh, you know I can't wait for. That's going to be drama, and it's that's going to
1: be the entirety of season seven.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I hope they I I hope they hold king's out moot. the king's moot till all of season seven. It's just uh, nonstop speeches. King's and, moot
1: broken up by uh, periodic fits of Dorne.
0: Yes, please. All right. So then we go to we cut to Marjorie in Church Jail, and it appears, like you said, that she's making nice with the High Sparrow. Um, Mm -hmm. So we just we can envision all sorts of conflicts uh, with the Lannisters um, after that fact.
1: Because it sounds like uh, Marjorie initially was going to do the Walk of Shame, like Cersei did. But the but what I read into it, or what I uh, interpreted that to be, the Queen of Thorns said it can't happen, and Cersei agreed because I'm assuming Cersei. Is concerned that that will lead to Marjorie being free and then being able to manipulate Tomlin again.
0: I agree. I feel like Cersei is not going to. She, like, above all, she wants to crush the church, but she also does not want Marjorie reasserting herself into the situation at all. Yes. So, uh, I feel like she, because she for can, different reasons. she
1: can bone Tomlin. So she exerts the most control over
0: him. Right. And then we cut to, uh, Tyrion meeting with w- with what I can only uh, assume is the slave masters from the other cities, and they're asking. Well, I,
1: thought, I thought that was uh, just a bunch of commoners. Uh,
0: they're asking when Daenerys is going to return. Um, yeah. They could be the the great masters of marine, the like the politically. Well, they Looked like they were dressed in trash clothes. Well, then if you people with trash clothes, come to the the uh, you know mayor city or the mayor's building. You just tell those people you know, go back onto the street, you fucking street rat you don't yeah, even
1: all in burlap sex, I, you know, the, all uh... right, well,
0: I, all I'm saying is like, why would they even entertain him if they were uh, street urchins? So I have no idea. I don't know. Okay. So, but I don't really care. So moving on, <laughs> Danny's not coming back to Marine. So it's just jack off. Uh, maybe Tyrion being a leader, which we've seen before. And I guess I'll enjoy it because of Tyrion. Then we cut to Jorah and Dario, uh, attempting to bust out Danny from horse jail. Uh, and, you know horsey they,
1: town jail
0: horsey <laughs> horsey out of the barn as it were but um it just showed some quick scenes of some like vague action and i just appe- i just uh, i'm sorry it just it just seems like it's gonna be a xena-esque like uh breakout attempt that's not gonna work kind of like what jamie and um Braun did in Dorn last season that's where, exactly what i thought of right it seems like it's gonna be you know, jack off. They're they're gonna be ineffective, and then all of a sudden, I imagine the dragon's gonna come out of nowhere and save everybody. That that's how I see it going down. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. All right, so it, it, I'm not too excited for next um next show, but uh, you know, it's progressing. And this, let's go into our ratings right now. I feel like the show didn't piss me off last week. I gave the show a four rating. I'm gonna give this episode a three, three out of
1: five. I'm going to say 2.5. Okay. And I can't give you any good justification for that.
0: That's fine. You don't have to. Um, This this episode, I enjoyed it, Um, but I didn't you know what? hate it. Doug? Yeah? I'm going to put it at a three. Whoa! You convinced me. You convinced me. Okay. I'm <laughs> I very convincing me by sometimes. All right. So I'm going to say this didn't make me angry. There has definitely been. And once again, we're judging this episode based on other episodes that have come before it. Uh, and I will say that this episode did not make me angry, did not make me sick. Um, didn't get me excited either. So, um, I think that's a step in the positive uh, as a whole. Uh, I would say the first episode is the weakest so far the season. Um, and I think there's a little bit of a trough, but I think they might, I'm hoping that the showrunners are going to give us, uh, a payoff every other episode. Maybe uh, I can only hope we'll see
1: yeah there's a lot of table setting so you assume that something's going to happen on the table next week i'd hope so uh, we get to see a little finger back in the game
0: yeah i think uh, he's been severely missed i i will say uh I, i've missed him so i'm glad that he's coming back i'm glad he's entering the game again uh because he was he's been radio silent for like you know seven or eight episodes now something ridiculous i'm
1: interested to see what the uh well, the idiot tit is as an adult—that'll be funny. Think. <laughs> yeah,
0: or as like a preteen.
1: Yeah, is he gonna, Yeah, I mean, I could see him be like an Urkel type thing, where he's always asking if people have
0: cheese. Or can uh, did I do that? Yeah, this, <laughs> one Something of the greatest—the greatest,
1: the greatest uh, jokes ever—is John Mulaney. Uh, his joke is, and then I said the thing that only blackout drunks and Urkel say. Did I do that? <laughs> That's Jesus pretty good. John, yeah, John Mulaney's the best. All
0: right, anything to say about the behind the episode where it's the circle jerk session between the double Ds?
1: Nah, uh, more of the justifying their lazy storytelling. And I say that in pre- or quotation marks. And then one of them said that Danny thinks she's all that.
0: Uh, yeah. I, both I, my, I, my
1: wife and I looked at each other. Said, <laughs> "Did he just say that?"
0: Yeah. I feel like every these guys should stop doing these things because I feel like it's yeah. just brat, bad press for the show. Um, I feel like it's, it's as, as the show appeals to the lowest common denominator, these behind the episodes with the showrunners appeals to like the fucking <laughs> cretins that would like, you know, I, these, they're not saying anything to flesh out, uh, really anything. It, it's like somebody trying to interpret a painting for you. It's just, it comes off sounding like, uh, uh, pompous, ridiculous and self-serving, especially a painting that they did. Well, I feel like, uh, you know, Danny is really... They're
1: not, say, they're not saying anything that's not there on the surface.
0: Right, exactly. They're not giving insight to the show, which yeah. is, I think, the way the segment is post, or, or presented to us. They're not giving us any great insight to the show. You're right. They're just rehashing what's on the surface. And we do that. And... Yeah, and we do that, and we do not charge you a subscription fee of fourteen ninety nine dollars sure. a month for HBO Now. Alright, so uh, that about wraps it up. Uh, Brian, anything else to add?
1: No, that's it. Thanks for joining us. Hope the audio is a little bit better this week. Uh, I purchased a microphone.
0: Yeah, thank you to our subscribers at Patreon uh, and the donations from uh, yeah. MeUndies. Um, Keep that mode all cut. Gotta get that mode all. Gotta get that mode all. all right, yes, so sir. This has been a shame to Thrones. Thank you for joining us. Uh, um, on behalf of Brian, this is Doug saying, see you later, alligator sorry.